Since 2010, many of us Montana residents, business owners, sportsmen and women, and conservationists join forces under the banner of Montanans for Healthy Rivers to identify and conserve the last best free-flowing rivers in Montana. Some of the greatest river stewards and boots on the ground helping to protect our rivers day in and day out are guides. From a guiding perspective, I can tell you that sustainability and preservation is my ultimate goal. My name is Kinsley Scott. I'm a Montana native and guide, and I have been with Montanans for Healthy Rivers for years now. Welcome to River Ramble Guides Edition. In this series, we will hear from guides and outfitters from across the state in various regions of the proposed grassroots legislation Montanans for Healthy Rivers Coalition is currently fighting for. The Crown of the Continent proposal would protect 200 river miles in the heart of Montana, and the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would preserve an additional 336 miles of river within the pristine Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Today we are chatting with a beloved industry giant and former guide, Nick English. He is here representing one of the most valuable tributaries to not only the Gallatin and Upper Missouri River Network, but to the greater Bozeman area as well. Highlight Creek is a lifeline for agriculture, provides thousands with clean drinking water, and endless recreation. Nick is here to share why protection of this watershed is so important. Hey, Nick, how are you? Good, Kinsley. How are you today? I am doing well. How's everything in Bozeman? Oh, it's... uh. It's still Bozeman. Things are booming, and uh, winter's kind of here. It's nice and chilly this morning. I think it was like 10 degrees or something like that. But uh, as always, we could use a little bit more snow. Uh, pretty par for the course from anybody who uh, is uh, into streams and fishing or skiing right now, especially skiing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. We're yeah, we're looking not too bad on snow tell site. So uh, it's, it's coming. It'll come. Oh yeah, it always does. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. Nick is a retired guide and outdoor enthusiast, and you have spent extensive time in the headwaters of Highlight Creek. So, Nick, you have run, skied, and fished this corridor, and today you are here to help champion one of the most important components to not only the Upper Missouri River Network, but a critical water source to the greater Bozeman area. So this drainage supplies Bozeman with about a third of its water source which is just one of the reasons this protection is so needed here. So Nick, for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so a uh, little bit about myself. I'm obviously an avid recreationalist in Montana uh, through various means, obviously, you know, fishing, fly fishing in general is one of the biggest passions of my life and is actually what led me to Montana from a young age, uh, as well as I got really into backcountry skiing and trail running. And, you know, that's kind of what ties me to that that zone, especially um, strongly. Uh, and just, you know, it's a uh, general passions have led to, uh, you know, the living in Montana and just, uh, uh, again, that active lifestyle that, that we all want to live and why we're here. Being a former guide, how long 
was your guide career here in Montana? You know, I only guided for a few years in Montana. I did it kind of while I was mm-hmm. going to college. I went back to school a little later in life at, at Montana State and uh, used guiding as a, a means of an income. I also guided in Alaska and also in California a bit too before that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I've got a history of guiding, but in and around Montana, it's just been for the last few years. I'd say probably more experience on the water just from a personal perspective. But, uh, you know, guiding was a part of it for sure. And I got to know a lot of these watersheds in a deeper way during those guiding years. Oh, absolutely. And what what rivers did you spend most of your time on while you were guiding? Uh, Mostly the Yellowstone, um, a little bit on the Gallatin, a little bit on the Madison and the Missouri. Um, I would say I was on the Yellowstone a lot uh, in the summertime. That was kind of one of the easiest places from Bozeman to go over and guide. You know, but I'd find myself on other rivers, depending on what the clients wanted to do or what outfitter I was working for at the time. Um, I guess it was probably a little more split between the Yellowstone and the Madison. Uh, it's nice to have the Madison over in the, the valley over there because it's, uh, you know, during runoff, it's still fishable. So it makes okay. for a, uh, a good June watershed to fish. And, you know, I even guided on Highlight Creek a little bit, too, um, that one of the outfitters I worked for had permits up there. And it was a great place to take uh, beginners or people that didn't want to do a float trip. They just wanted to do a walk and wade or even some folks that uh, would sign up for uh, a class that Montana Trout Fitters used to have that was like half day in the classroom and then half day actually out on the water. And uh, it was pretty cool to take people up there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, get a little hike in. And so from a guiding perspective, though, on Highlight Creek, correct me if I'm wrong, you cannot guide on the upstream side of the reservoir. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So that was all on the lower uh, part of it. I should have clarified that so that uh, they don't get anybody in trouble for illegal guiding or anything. But yeah, (laughs) below the reservoir. I have fished above the reservoir plenty, but uh, not in a guided guided way. But below the reservoir was always nice to take people to because that canyon is really pretty. And I think people get an appreciation for it. Awesome. And so nowadays, is there a body of water or a species of fish that you like to personally chase or spend time on? You know, that, I think that's a loaded question in a lot of ways because uh, <laughs> it's all of us. And, and I'm sure, I know that you know this, Kinsley, because, you know, your passion for steelhead and other species as well leads us to waters outside of the state of Montana. But there are plenty of them in our backyard that we love to uh, to, to fish and, and uh, you know, and access. And I would say more and more I find myself floating the rivers of Montana less, uh, especially that. I, you know, I don't need to make my living directly from those rivers. I kind of leave that to the fishing guides in the summer and I'll fish them in the spring for sure. I'll hit up all these local watersheds. I mean, even this weekend, I stopped and fished the Gallatin on my, uh, on a drive home from a backcountry ski south of Big Sky. And, you know, it's, I still enjoy fishing all those bodies of water, the Gallatin, the Yellowstone, the Missouri, the Madison, all these kind of ones that form. Uh, the Missouri, but there's a ton of little tributaries and, and really my focus has changed to the high mountain lakes and a lot of these places where the waters originate in the last mm-hmm. uh, several years with uh, with my love of trail running. I've kind of combined the two with fly fishing and I can get into some of these places that are a lot less crowded and, you know, it's it's all chasing trout at those high elevation mm-hmm. and you know, those trout are beautiful in high elevations. I know that most of them had been stocked there years ago, but um, putting cutthroat in those in a lot of those bodies of water leads to chasing those native species. Uh, and, and that's kind of become a passion of mine. And one of the projects I've been working on the last, uh, I don't know, it's been about six years now, is uh, mm-hmm. 
exploring different mountain ranges and checking off this uh, kind of obscure thing called corn and cutty. So the whole premise is skiing <laughs> corn and catching cutthroat in, in these bodies of water. And so it has to be a cutthroat and you have to be able to like ski a line, see a body of water that has cutthroat in it and fish it from where you ski and vice versa. So from the lake, you have to see your ski line. And so that's kind of occupied a lot of my summer time frame. And so like I'll spend my, my springs and, and sometimes in the fall chasing certain hatches around Montana and uh, not the salmon fly hatch. Most, I think that's the most overrated hatch that we have, although a lot of people <laughs> will argue with that uh, because it does produce big fish frequently. I get it, but uh-huh. there's a lot of other fun hatches to chase. But, uh, you know, I kind of split my time all over the place. Um, we're lucky in Montana that we have so many ab- amazing bodies of water that we can pick and choose where we want to fish. And when you're not making your living as a guide, you can be even more selective on when and where you fish. It's uh, it's kind of like what drives my passion for a lot of these places is, is going up and exploring them and, and finding these new bodies of water and just, yeah, exploring the backyard, really, especially in a year like 2020 where we had this pandemic and, you know, we a lot of us weren't traveling as much and it was a great opportunity to explore even more in the backyard. Oh, that is awesome. So that's a perfect segue into, because I'm sure you have fished and skied in this area of the world. I have you representing Highlight Creek in the Headwaters, which this protection under the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would begin where the creek flows out of Highlight Lake and it stretches for si- about six miles to the upper end of mm-hmm. Highlight Reservoir. So for those listeners that aren't familiar with the area, can you give us a geographic location of where we're talking today? Yep. So, uh, you know, Bozeman, Montana, you look at a map, it's really kind of southwest to central leaning of Montana and uh, pretty close to Idaho and Wyoming and Yellowstone National Park. And, you know, if the crow flies, Yellowstone National Park isn't that far from us, the northern borders. Uh, And Highlight is uh, just south of Bozeman. And you drive up this road, and then all of a sudden it kind of opens up into this absolutely pristine area where there is a reservoir and a dam that's been built because it is, the you know, one of the primary water sources for Bozeman. But then the expanse back there, as far as being a – a place for different user groups and everything. You go all the way, you drive around the reservoir, you go all the way to the back end, keep going south, you end up at this trailhead um, for Highlight Lake. And this trailhead is utilized by so many different people. Um, From anglers fishing, which you don't see a lot of people fishing up there, most of them focus on kind of where the creek dumps into the the reservoir or the reservoir itself Mm -hmm. or below the dam. Uh, But, you know, that's part of like keeping that watershed super clean. And so there's a, you know, a, a well worn trail that goes up to the lake and up to highlight peak you know which is really the start of it all right like the snow flows downhill so it comes down mm-hmm. from the top and there's ice climbers that use it trail runners rock climbers uh skiers you know mountain bikers yeah. you know there's just so many people going up there it's uh it's a pretty amazing area and again it's right in our backyard from bozeman we have this pretty amazing place uh it's just just down the street really is is how we think of it and uh it's pretty neat when anybody visits and they go up there, they're just like, holy crap, I had no idea that was just outside of Bozeman. That's probably the yeah. number one uh, response I get from people visiting the area. Yeah, I I haven't been in that area in a long time, but I do remember 
there are tons of waterfalls. It is one of the most gorgeous canyons. And like you said, it's just right out of Bozeman. It's an incredible uh, ecosystem and, and watershed. It completely is. And uh, I, was, I was looking for a stat while we were talking there. Uh, but <laughs> this last year with the traffic counters they set up, over 115,000 vehicles drove Highlight Canyon Road between May and September, uh, wow. which is incredible. It's like it's like a 10% increase. And so that's pretty on point. The last 10 years is about 10% increase a year of visitors. And that's, you know, local people that live here. That's people that have moved here. That's people that are just visiting the area, a little mix of it all. So it, it gets mm-hmm. a lot of use. I mean, even in the winter, they, there's, what is it, uh, 47,000 vehicles, the approximate, um, that drive up Highlight Canyon. So uh, it, it's, it's probably the most used recreation area um, close you know, in a close proximity to Bozeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only that, too, with the reservoir, there's a lot of recreational opportunity there as well. And a little bit of facts on the reservoir itself. The Middle Creek Dam was originally completed in 1951, and it underwent an expansion to the size that it is today in 1993. And the reservoir itself provides irrigation water to about 73 farms and ranches and provides drinking water to 2,000 households. And that's, a, like I said, a third of the city of Bozeman's water supply. And I actually gathered this data from a DNRC report that was published in 2014. So the Bozeman area, the valley is growing exponentially. So, you know, the importance of this watershed and protecting it is just as important, if not increasing over the last six years as Bozeman continues to grow. It, it really is. And, you know, it's uh, I, I love that you bring up that point of uh, farmers and ranchers and just general citizens. And, and maybe not everybody goes up there to recreate and, and loves it in the same way, but it is so important to protect that stream and that water supply up there, uh, not just for the recreational users and the people that want to observe the waterfalls and the ice chunks of ice up there and everything else or go skiing it is it is very vital to uh, the whole Gallatin Valley so Nick let me ask you why is this area of the world special to you to me because you know selfishly I love going up there and not hearing snowmobiles and dirt bikes and just uh, going for a run and being on top of a mountain you know two hours after work uh, and and you know seeing other people that are like-minded, but seeing how pristine it is, right? Like not a trashed place that's all developed and everything and are going for a backcountry ski. And other than the skin track in and out, it's relatively untouched and it's just absolutely pristine up there. Um, Obviously I love clean drinking water like anybody, but I I think there is so much more there. I think as, um, as our, you know, world continues to grow and get more and more developed and, uh, you know, I think protecting these wild and scenic places are more important than ever. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that humans have done a great job with our world and with Mother Nature. And, you know, part of that is we just didn't know, you know, 100 years ago, we didn't know how our pollutants, what, you know, what stuff was going to do by dumping waste mm-hmm. into watersheds. And, you know, when we built all these dams way back in the day, we didn't know what they were all going to do. And, you know, well, this dam might be a little different because it's a water source and it's not impeding um or maybe it is impeding natural spawning, but, you know, I think we've done enough with introducing other na- non-native fish species that have affected those stocks. 
I don't want to get into that right now. We'll leave, we'll leave that one for probably a different episode that you'll do. But uh, uh, I should probably avoid that one right now and just shut my mouth. But, uh, again, I think it's just protecting a lot of these wild places, you know, reading through um, these bills and the Montana's for Healthy Watersheds and everything else. In, in trying to understand more about all of the different waterways it's protecting, which I've spent time in all these different places. And, you know, I saw stuff on the West Fork of the Stillwater and, you know, I've done a ton of backpacking and trail running up in that, those drainages. And, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky that we have this in Montana. We have these accesses to public lands. We have these amazing watersheds that, that we can go to. And, you know, that they're so important to protect, not just for myself, but, you know, I've got nephews and nieces that, I want them to be able to experience this friends, kids that I want to see experience it. And, you know, that old adage, uh, a native American proverb that gets tossed around all over with memes and everything else that, you know, leave this world better than when you came into it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's phrased a little bit differently, but that's the gist of it. And it's like, we have that opportunity, right. To, to protect some of these places. And, you know, there's plenty of other places. I'm not anti-mine. I'm not anti-gas and oil. We all use that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we need it, but I think there are a number of places that we can protect in this world. And, and this is one of them, you know, it's six miles of river that, um, you know, it doesn't hurt to set it aside. It doesn't need to be developed for any reason. So why not keep it nice and pristine for others to enjoy in future future generations and let's keep clean water for Bozeman. Absolutely. And kind of piggybacking off of that. So when you were in the boat every day with folks, um, how did you share important conservation issues facing Montana with clients? You know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, clients come from a lot of different walks of life. And I really learned that when I was guiding up in Alaska and, uh, You know, a lot of those folks, you know, you'd get people that had made their money from the oil and gas industry or from mining or whatever. And you would talk to them about these different issues. And and one of them, when I was guiding in Alaska, was uh, talking about the pebble mine, right? Like that was an easy one to segue into and to help people understand that, you know, all right, we get it. Like you need to have mines. Maybe you're even a miner, but does this mine need to go here? Do we really need this? Is this going to help us in any way, shape, or form, or is this going to hurt us more, right? And so just kind of applying that thought process to anywhere that you were protecting. And so, you know, I had a number of clients in in one of the walkway trips when I had taken some people up to highlight, uh, you know, I was talking to them about it, uh, you know, just about like, hey, this canyon's super pristine, and, you know, they've got all these areas set aside with uh, wilderness acts, so like access to the wilderness here is only like non-motorized vehicles, and we kind of talked through that whole process, and one couple in particular that I took fishing, it was pretty neat because I stayed in touch with them, they were a bit younger and everything else, but I've actually seen that they've made donations to like uh, Madison Gallatin Trout Unlimited, uh, I was on the board for those That's guys cool. for a while, and, you know, they would, yeah, they didn't live here, but they, they fell in love with the place and started visiting. So, you know, like, you know, there were people that you could always count on to uh, sign a petition to protect somewhere like the Yellowstone and the proposed mine that was over there. And, you know, they just, when people fall in love with a place, they, they're more vested in protecting it. Right. And so appealing to somebody's kind of that 
you know, I don't want to say you target their heartstrings all the time, but I think that's the best way to kind of protect something is make somebody feel connected to it. And it's pretty easy to do with an area like the highlight drainage or, you know, Yellowstone, Paradise Valley or wherever it is. Right. But I think that that's probably the best way that we can connect our clients and our customers to these places is by tugging at their heartstrings and making them, you know, understand and, and, and see why somewhere is so special, making them feel a connection to it. So kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, I'm going to kind of go out of order here in my traditional uh, questions here, but can you share a, a quick story in which your conservation ethics were seen or demonstrated in in a client back in the day? Well, I mean, I would say that that was, that was probably um, – yeah. The, the, the closest example was that specific couple that ended up because we talked about everything and because we discussed the conservation around, you know, protecting these resources in Montana, it got them invested in, in donating directly to conservation organizations that were near and dear to my own heart. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that couple was one of the, the specific ones or, you know, it'd be clients that we would make aware of Pebble Mine and uh, when I was guiding in Alaska and then they'd make a donation to save Bristol Bay um, or American Rivers or, or wherever, right? Just like talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say that that young couple was probably one of the ones that stuck out the most to me um, of, yeah. of having an impact of talking about my own uh, conservation ethics that I think had a positive impact on uh, our local conservation. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, that's a great, great example. And I hope that with this podcast, you know, like you said, it, it essentially has to be relative to people, right? Like, why should someone listening outside of Montana or unfamiliar with these places care that we're trying to get this protected? So thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. So with that said, if this bill is passed, how do you see this area benefiting from the wild and scenic protection? You know, I, I think that it's uh, keeping it available for generations to come. Uh, you know, one of the the whole the purpose of the act, you know, designating segments and tribs of the the Missouri and Yellowstone rivers to the National Wild and Scenic River System. I think, you know, it states that the whole purpose is to preserve and protect for present and future generations the values of of these streams and tributaries. And and to me, I think that's probably the most important part is just protecting it for future generations. I mean, it's mm-hmm. if we continue to just, uh, you know habitat destruction across the world and pollute things and everything else, you know, the value of uh, these natural resources kind of gets diminished and disappears. And, you know, I think that it's important to leave it for those future generations. Again, I'll go back to that, you know, that, that twist on an old proverb or saying of, Mm -hmm. you know, the, taking care of it and leaving it better than you found it. You know, it's no different than when we're on the river and every time we're out, picking up garbage, you know, doing, mm-hmm. doing something to make it better than when we got there. And I think that we have that ability with this act to leave it better than when we got it and continue mm-hmm. to protect and set some of these things aside. And, you know, we've, we've seen how that helps. I mean, look at Yellowstone National Park, for instance. Uh, you know, how many of us have been able to, to enjoy that? in our backyard here in Bozeman or, you know, you being over in Missoula, it's not that far. And uh, it's, it's a pretty special place that a lot of people come to visit because people before us set it aside and, and made it so that it was going to be protected. And we have that duty as that kind of next generation to do the same thing. A hundred percent. We have, we have the chance to get it right with this Montana Headwaters Legacy Act. We can really protect some 
big places in Montana, Highlight Creek, even though it's six miles, it is six miles of some of the most important water, especially for you guys in the Bozeman Valley, not just from a clean drinking water perspective, but the entire connectivity of the upper Missouri River network and watershed. It's, it's hugely important for us to try to get this right right now. Lastly, Nick, if you had a message for folks right now or could encourage others listening to take action, what would that be? You know, when you, you sent me over some of these questions and I read that one, and that one actually probably uh, evoked the most response in my head. Uh, it, and I find it a really interesting one with so much going on in our world right now, right? Like you turn on the news and there's everything that's so negative. Um, mm -hmm. What it, it made me think kind of about it all encompassing, right? And so the first thing would be learn, right? Educate yourself. And on this, this topic, especially learn about your local watersheds. What perils do they face and what can we do to help it? And then thinking about it is like, hey, we also have to be kind of gentle on ourselves. And a lot of times what, it, what I mean by that is, you know, we have these expectations. Well, if I'm not doing this, I'm not doing enough or I'm not going to make an impact. And, you know, no matter how small um, your contributions to a cause or to an effort are, they're all impactful, whether it's sharing something on social media. I think that we have that ability to do small things and make an impact. And again, whether it's sharing something on social media, whether it's donating some money, donating time, going and doing a river cleanup, picking up garbage when you're out fishing or guiding or whatever, talking to your clients, customers, uh, or, you know, visitors, people coming in from out of state or whatever, educating them about issues facing places. Everything makes a difference, right? No matter how small we can make a difference. And, and it's, uh, you know, I think it's really sad when people believe that they can't make a difference because they, what they're doing isn't enough, right? And mm -hmm. it does. It all makes a difference. It all adds up. Whether you give $5 or $5 million, every little bit towards conservation and towards protecting these places we love is going to make a difference. So, you know, be easy on yourself. Think about ways that you can make an impact if you have the time volunteer, get behind it, write your legislation, write representatives, you know, pressure them to make positive changes and what you believe in. But it's nothing's too small. Just do what you can. Every bit helps. Agreed. We are all in it together and it is a collaborative effort. So thank you, Nick, for that. I, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day, I'm sure, to join us here and represent a crucial component to this Montana Headwaters Legacy Act. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for uh, bringing awareness to people. And um, I look forward to hearing the future podcasts on this. So uh, keep up the good well, work, thanks. Kinsley. It's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, it's awesome when people like you care. And uh, you guys care a whole lot. So thank you for your efforts. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day, Nick. You too. Take care, Kinsley. From all of us here at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, thank you for tuning in. If you would like to learn more about the Crown of the Continent proposal, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, and to join our efforts, please visit HealthyRiversMT.org to add your endorsement.